want to give you a fair warning. I'm kind of cheeky today. Um, that's the that's the only word that I that I got. Um, so anything is possible. Um, and uh, my my hope was to do like content fatigue is a real thing. Um, and I got done with last week's message and was with some, a bunch of pastors this week. But Monday we showed up and my eyes were crossed um, because. <laughs> It's been, how many of you agree with me? It's been heavy lifting over the past eight weeks. We're halfway through the Tethered uh, series. Some of you are like, thank the Lord, we're halfway through it. Um, uh, But we've got a bunch more weeks to go, some really big uh, topics. So today I was like, man, I wanna keep it light and I wanna help us just get really practical about some things. So today uh, we're gonna gonna deal with a very light issue, uh, sin. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I realized, man, that was probably a dumb choice, but... um, Fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to um, keep it light for uh, and in the places I can keep it light. But at the end of the day, it's a real issue. Um, so turn to your journals. Page 60 is where we're going to find ourselves. Make sure that you keep on sending your questions in uh, so that we can answer those on our Q&A question panel happening November 26th. So keep sending those in. I'm going <laughs> to take us to what I thought was a light scripture. It's not. Um, there's nothing light about this message, but I hope you laugh a little bit. And then here's what I hope. I hope we kick the devil in the jaw today. That, that's like, that's my hope, is that if we talk about this thing, we've read in the Bible already in the series that sin is crouching at the door. And uh, it, here, here's the truth. Everybody look at me when I say this. God has a plan for your life. Come on, somebody. Do y'all believe that? God has a plan and a purpose for life. But here's what we fail to realize. So does the enemy. So does the devil. And like often we go like, man, and then we get frustrated when things happen in life. We're like, man, I thought God had a plan for my life. He does, but so does the devil. And if we can realize that, then we can take this subject matter pretty serious and go, wait a second, today is a day that I kind of want to kick the devil in the throat. I want to push him back. I know he's crouching at the door, but that's not my portion. That's not what God has for me. I want to keep living into everything that God has for me. Come on, is there anybody with faith today that we can push back the schemes of the enemy in our lives? So that's what we're going after today. That's what I believe today. James chapter one, verses 12 to 15. I told you I'm cheeky today. It's going to be fun. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast, strong, positioned, anchored, under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now James is going to qualify what he means by this. What this trial is that you're facing versus this other thing called sin and temptation is you say, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. So there's a difference. Do y'all see this in scripture? There's a difference between trials and temptation. That's a big, big thing that we need to understand. So he says, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. So the devil didn't make you do it. Someone needs to write that down today. Can you just talk to yourself? The devil didn't make me do that, right? The devil didn't make you lash out at your boss the other day, right? The devil didn't make you stick that one finger up during traffic the other day. Oh, can we talk real in church today, right? 
That's just my staff members I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Erica Parrish. I'm just playing, I'm just playing. <laughs> but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, listen to this, when it has conceived, the very visceral terms being used here by James, when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I want to read our statement of faith for us today. Um, it's a big one concerning humanity. It's two parts. We in this statement, we have brought um, our understanding of, of sin and humanity in relationship to sin, the depravity that exists within us, and then at the same time, what it looks like to live in the Imago Dei in our, our, um, our high value of life. So you're going to see that today. We're going to be covering the sin issue today. We believe that man and woman were created in the image and the likeness of God. Come on, someone say amen. amen. But that through Adam's sin, the race fell, inherited a sinful nature, and became alienated from God. Man has a radical propensity <clears throat> to sin and of himself is utterly unable to remedy his lost condition. We believe that all human life is sacred and created by God in his image. Human life is of inestimable worth in all of its dimensions, including preborn babies, the aged, the physically or mentally challenged in every other stage or condition from conception through natural death. We are therefore called to defend, protect, and value all human life. This is seen in the reality of Jesus Christ's incarnation, becoming a man, and his willingness to die for humanity. Amen. Today, as we continue on in our series, Tethered, I want to speak to you from this subject today. Humanity, the struggle is real. Yeah, yes, as we deal with the issue of temptation and sin. We pray with me just one more time today? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's active. Teach us, speak to us, guide us, convict us today. Yeah. May we leave here different than how we came in. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Yeah. Everybody shouted. Yeah. Auditorium two and auditorium one shouted. Yeah. Amen. Um, I want to admit to you that I sinned a couple weeks ago. I know. I do it too. Please don't put me on that pedestal. Um, I'm, I, it's probably yesterday as well. But how many of you have ever had, show of hands, truthful, honest, like just counseling moment? How many of you have ever had a bad day before? <laughs> Some of you didn't put your hands up. You're, you're lying. Um, let's try this one more time. How many of you have, have had a bad day before? Come on, auditorium. Too. Okay, cool, awesome. So we're all together on this one. Have you ever had one of those bad days that seems like a snowball effect? Like, it's one thing, and then it's another thing, and then it's another thing. And I don't know about you, but have you ever had the bad day to the point where, like, after the snowball effect, you just kind of lost your mind? <laughs> right? Okay, so, so here's, what, here, here's what happened the other day. Um, I was having an okay day, some bad moments. I woke up uh, proverbially on the wrong side of the bed. You ever done that before? And I already had like a weird mood going on. I don't know why it happens. I'm a little bit moody sometimes. And so woke up on the wrong side of the bed and uh, I was going downstairs to do some laundry. No one's home. It was one of my study days. And so I was throwing some stuff in and then getting, getting to work. And so um, I have a proclivity to fall down the stairs. 
Is anybody else with me? I got some balance issues. I'm, I'm gangly, like things happen. And so here's the, here's the thing about falling down the stairs. This is my rationale. This is the weird world of my head. Here's my rationale. I don't take issue with falling down the stairs. Like I don't see a problem with it and I don't get mad when I fall down the stairs. Why? Because gravity's working the way it's supposed to. Is it, like this is my rationale as I think through these things. Like, so when I fall down the stairs, I hit the bottom, I may hurt, but I have no temptation to get angry or to get frustrated because for me, it's proofing that God's laws are still in effect. I fell, I, my body did, gravity did, everything did what it was supposed to do. Here's my problem. Here's when I'm tempted like I was the other day and hit, and hit the ceiling is when you fall up the stairs. Can I get a witness in church today? Okay, and that's, that's what I did. Falling down, not a problem. I'm good with it. Everything's fine when you fall down the stairs. It's when you're running up the stairs like I was the other day that I fell up the stairs, which is not something that humans should do and it defies gravity. I believe by the grace of the Lord that you fall down, not up. So when I fell up the other day, oh, some words came out of my mouth. Has anybody ever done that before? right? And my dog was in the house. No one else was home, but my dog. And my dog was the recipient of verbal violence. <laughs> and if you've seen my dog scout before, his facial expressions, he was just like, what did I do? Right? Like he was, <laughs> he was, he was like, this guy's lost his mind. And so it was a bad day. And because of my bad day, because of falling up the stairs, this this thing inside of me came out. And I don't know about you, but isn't it interesting how moments like that, even though light, even though seeming, like seemingly funny, have you ever found yourself in a situation where all of, a sudden, all of a sudden something comes out of you or you do something and then you say this, where did that come from? <laughs> Scout asked me, <laughs> where did that come from. And so I confess before you today that my words were spicy <laughs> and definitely not G-rated. <laughs> so I had to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for all my ways. <laughs> and this cluster of verses that we just read, James shifted to a strong warning. It's called paranesis. It's an ancient form of exhortation designed to draw one's audience to both belief and denial, to help us see certain things that we need to see. And I believe that James right here contributes one of the most penetrating, insightful discussions on the nature of sin and temptation contained within the Bible. And I quote, the context of the word tempt, periezo, connotes a provocation to sin. So this is in fact, it stands outside of trials used by God to develop, us, to develop us. And it puts this in the category of an internal desire within us used to destroy us. So here's what I want us to see. God uses trials to develop us, but the enemy uses the desire inside of us to destroy us. And when I say desire, don't look at desire simply as a thing of, uh, of something that I want. When I fell up the stairs that day, my desire in that moment, can we just get brutally honest in church today? My desire in that moment was to burn my house down. <laughs> I was so mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at the dog. I was mad at the stairs. Like I said, it's different when the laws of gravity are doing what they're supposed to do. But when I know it's me, 
You ever been there before? When you know, man, I did that. Have you ever sinned, realized you sinned, and then sinned again because you were mad in your sin? Paul said it like this, I do not do what I do want to do, and I do do what I do not want to do. There's doo-doo everywhere. It's scripture. <laughs> it's the Bible. So sin's this real thing that we have to deal with. Let's go over, this is not gonna be on your screen, so you need your real Bibles today. James chapter four, watch this. James chapter four. It's just a few chapters later from what we just read. So right if we study our Bible today. Okay, so he writes this. Big words, he says, what is the source? This is verse one. What is the source of wars and fights among you? You ever ask that question? Why is the world doing what the world's doing? Why does the world look like the world looks? What, what, what's the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he, then he gives this, this, this salve, this solution to it. He says, therefore, ever shout therefore? therefore? Because of all this, because of this issue with sin, because of this thing that's inside of us, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil. Come on, somebody, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a form of teaching I'm using to get you to remember something. So if you forget everything else in this message, you can walk out of here today, and when your boss is up in your face, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're cut off in the parking lot, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're staring that at addiction again, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When he or she dips into your DMs, submit to God, resist the devil. Come on, somebody, and he will flee from you. Someone shout sin. sin. And it's right there. We got, we got to pay attention to this thing that's going on inside of us. And we've got to create this, this, this reality where it's like, man, I know that God has a plan, but I also know equally that the devil has a plan for me. All right, so we got to under... Stay in sin. What James is saying to you and to me through, through scripture is that sin is not just an external thing, it's an internal thing. Right. And for a lot of us, we see sin outside of us and outside of us only. And if we're very honest, from a theological perspective, we have a, we have a tendency not to look at the sin that's inside of us. You ever been there before? We look at everything, that, the sin of that person and the sin of this thing and the sin of that thing, but we hardly look at the sin that's inside of me. So as I was laying at the top of the stairs the other day, <laughs> I had to look at me. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a reflection of the stairs. Oh, but how easy would have it had been? Come on. Yeah. Now, like, I know it's a funny 
axiom I'm working with, but just think about this for a second. How easy would it have been stupid stairs? Make me sin like that? (laughs) How many of you know? The stairs didn't do it. Stupid devil using the stairs to make me sin. How many of you know? Devil didn't make me do it. No, there was this thing inside of me that was embarrassed. There was this thing inside of me that was frustrated. There was this thing inside of me that didn't realize that I'm a horrible walker. It was the sin inside of me. And that's just one little tiny thing, but how often does it happen in all kinds of other situations in my life? He made me punch him. She made me yell at her. That's, that's, the, that's the, the fallacy of thought. It's the belief that sin is only outside of us instead of acknowledging what is inside of us. Come on, am I up in anybody's business today? <laughs> so we got to deal with this understanding of sin. Um, one preacher said it like this. Light and erroneous views of the atonement, listen to these words, come from light and erroneous views of sin. If sin is regarded as merely an offense against man, a weakness of human nature, a mere disease, rather than as rebellion, transgression, and enmity against God, and therefore something condemning and punishable, we shall not, of course, see any necessity of the atonement. In other words, when I don't understand the power of sin, I negate the power of the cross. If I don't believe sin to be the heavy weight that it is, then the cross is not the heavy weight that it is. Because two heavy weights stepped into the ring. And the heavy weight of sin stepped in and it had hits, it had what hits done and it had the things that he's accomplished and conquered, but then the heavy weight of grace, God's forgiveness stepped into the same ring. And so if I don't understand that two heavyweights were battling it out, then I will look at sin as weak and I'll look at the cross as weak. Now, thanks be to God that the heavyweight of the cross won the battle. And so I am forgiven. I have grace. I have, come on somebody. But sin still sits at the door. Paul said it like this, Galatians chapter two, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. In other words, we have to be very careful on how we treat the subject and reality of sin, especially in light of its power and purpose to bring separation, a divide between God and man. Told you I just light and easy message today. The concept and reality of sin is something that not only generations of Christians have wrestled with, but society and humanity has wrestled with since the beginning of time. So let's work through an understanding of sin. Many definitions of sin have been proposed throughout history, and they divide into fairly, uh, fairly well-defined categories. Let's look at some thoughts that, that have been given to us about sin. Here's the first one. Some say sin is an illusion. In other words, sin doesn't exist. Now, this is going to be found in our philosophy, secular humanism. Uh, we, we see this in Gnosticism, uh, within uh, cultural Gnosticism, uh, current Gnosticism, ancient Gnosticism. We see this idea. In other words, it doesn't really exist. To be sure, we see this in evolutionary theory, that, that to be sure there are lacks in man, but given time and the ongoing process of evolution, these will disappear. 
In other words, the belief is, is that as man progresses, and when I say man, human, as it progresses, we get better and more perfect. That's the theory. And so sin's just an illusion. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. A medical doctor not long ago said this, there is no place for the concept of sin in psychotherapy. And, and very long ago, more than one thinker said that man is conscious of sin only because of his lack of knowledge. If he knew more, he could dissipate the illusion of sin. So there's a theory, there's a thought process that sin is simply an illusion. Here's the second thought process about sin is that sin is an eternal principle of evil outside of God and independent of him. We especially see this in, in dualistic thoughts and theories and in Gnosticism that, that evil and sin is outside of God and actually outside of us, that there's only goodness between us and God. And sin is this evil outside that constantly tries to encroach. And that sounds good in theory until you understand that it means that God doesn't have power over it because it's outside of him. But God has power over it because of the cross. He defeated, come on, death, hell, and the grave. And as we'll read later, that we see that because sin is forgiven in his name, that is the power that Christ has given us to stomp on it and flee from it. Is everybody tracking with me still? Here's the third thing we see is that sin is selfishness. This is a common definition of sin and it's scriptural, though it's inadequate for it's not inclusive enough. For instance, by this definition, a man who steals food from the rich to feed the poor may not be acting selfishly, but nevertheless, he's still sinning. Okay, anybody ready for some ethics this morning? Sin is selfish in nature, but sin is not just selfishness. Does that make sense? And here's then the, the fourth, which is the biblical definition of sin. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, the idea that is given to us is that sin is lawlessness. This simple definition actually needs further explanation, okay? So the concept of sin is first and foremost a religious concept because all sin is ultimately against God. God's laws, God's creation, God's covenant, and God's purposes. It is the basic corrupting agent in the entire universe. Now, here's the problem, is that when we don't see sin, first and foremost, as rebellion and lawlessness against God, then we dumb sin down only when we see it as a secondary effect against man. And the reason that some of us don't take to court the sin that is in our life is because we don't believe it to be as powerful and against God in nature first. So we hold back from doing things simply because it's against somebody else. So, so say I love Devon, which I, I do, I love you Devon, okay? How many of you know that I'm gonna keep sin in check against him because I love Devon? But what happens when I hate Devon? It got real quiet in church today. <laughs> How many of you know I care less what I do? Right, right. But as a Christian, you don't get that option. Right. As a Christian, first and foremost, sin is against God before it's against man. Right. This is how Jesus says something wild and out like love your enemies. Because naturally, can we be honest? I don't wanna do that. I wanna hurt my enemies. I wanna run over my enemies. I wanna post about my enemies on Facebook. 
But because I know sin is against God, I don't do the thing against my enemy because I care more about my relationship with God because sin is first and foremost an offense against someone shout God. Y'all tracking with me? This is how we change the world. So the things that I do, the things that I understand. So no one was in my house the other day, except Scout. Scout's my dog. No one was in the house the other day. So when I let words fly, I could easily justify it. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't swear at my wife. I didn't swear at my kids. I swore at the dog. It's just a dog, right? No one, no one heard it. And guess what? I didn't have to tell you today. But because it's still sin, it doesn't matter whether it was at somebody or not. I encroached upon God's desire and design for my life. And I lived in a way that was incongruent. I said things that were not congruent with who I desire to be as a man after God. You all tracking? This is a really important thing for us to understand about sin. Because some of us just mitigate sin according to the people that are around us rather than the God that has created us. And if we mitigate sin according to that measure and people, then you're gonna find yourself in tricky situations. You're gonna find yourself justifying things, rationalizing things. Am I talking to anybody in church today? And so we've gotta pay attention to this. So this is the biblical definition of sin. All right, there are numerous Hebrew and Greek words used to designate sin in biblical writings. Perhaps the most basic is a Hebrew word meaning revolt or transgression and indicating a deliberate act of defiance against God. Man, there were other things I could have said the other day, right? I could have said, bless the Lord as loud as I wanted to, right? I could have said, thank you for my shins that they are strong and not weak. I could have said a lot of things, but I didn't. And so I had to, I had to repent. And then, this, is, this sounds really funny, and I'm using a light thing, but it sounds really funny, but then God challenged me, I want you to use this story. This is not just an illustration for the sake of the illustration. I want you to use this story to help people see what we're talking about. So for me to stand before you and say, hey, I'm not a perfect person, heads up. And I said some stuff. You see, you see what I'm talking about? But I worked out my salvation with fear and trembling. This, this, is the, this is the thing, this is, how we, this is how we do it. So an inclusive definition of sin would be this. Anything, write this down, anything that does not conform to the glory of God. So you gotta ask yourself the question, when you're about to say it, do these words conform to the glory of God? When you're about to type it, do these words conform to the glory of God? When you're about to look at it, do these images conform to the glory of God? When you're about to think it, does this thought conform to the glory of God? When you're about to do it, does this thing conform, does this action conform to the glory of God? So we're gonna move along in this message. I wanna look at now uh, stages to sin. So seven points we're gonna work through. We're gonna look at three, uh, we're gonna name out three stages to sin. And then we're gonna look at four things to do in order to overcome sin. Y'all with me? Here's my heart before I get into this today. I want to give a couple qualifiers now. My heart in this message today because of, um, because of content fatigue is to make this fun, but actually deal with big things. So I want us to get really practical. This message is going to seem really practical today. I want you to be able to look at situations. I want you to think about 
The, even that thing that happened yesterday, you're like, man, how could have I handled that differently? Or the thing that's gonna happen when you walk out of here, how can I handle that differently by understanding the stages to sin and then how we overcome it? Here's my qualifier that I wanna say to you today. Some of you in this room are gonna take a message like this and you're gonna start feeling some sort of way about it today. And this might come to mind and it might be the enemy whispering to you. They're judging you right now. They're condemning you right now. I wanna let you know that there's actually a third option. The Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. And that, that's the difference. When I got up from the stairs the other day after word salad, <laughs> I stood up and I felt the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so I had to repent. So I put worship music on, I sat at my table and I could not study. I couldn't even get into my message until I knew that I had dealt with what was between me and God in that moment. Y'all seeing what this is about. This is an important, important part of this journey that we are on in this tethered series. So let's look at stages of sin. Second Samuel chapter 11. We're gonna start in verse one. The story that we're gonna read spans 26 verses. We're gonna highlight a few. I'm gonna read the piece of scripture and then I'll give you the, the, the applicable point. Three stages to sin. All right, Second Samuel chapter 11, verse one. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. I want you to see the structure of this sentence. In the spring, at the time when who goes off to war? David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. The first stage to sin is when you are someplace that you shouldn't be. when you are someplace that you just simply shouldn't be. This can be physically, this can be spiritually, this can be emotionally. Come on, students, grab a hold of this. When we are someplace that we should not be in any of these areas, we will find ourselves in a position for sin to take place. It's amazing how often when we are depleted emotionally, spiritually, and physically, we will find ourselves someplace that we shouldn't be. You ever been there before? Come on, how many of you know when you're tired, you have a tendency to do stupid things, yes. right? So like walking into a situation, like we would say this to married couples, especially help the marrieds out. If you are tired, if you're hungry, if you're angry, halt, okay? If you're lonely, don't, don't have that conversation that you know is gonna be tense. Why? Because people do dumb things when they haven't had a Snickers. <laughs> It's a real thing. When Snickers came up with that commercial, they tapped into a truth that everybody knows. How many of you know, you've thought back, you're like, man, I probably wouldn't have said that if I wasn't so hungry. I wouldn't have done that if, if, I, wasn't, if I wasn't so mentally like stressed right now or physically feeling the way that I'm doing. Or I wouldn't have said that if I wasn't so tired. Sometimes before you engage in something, you just need to take a nap. See, we make this so complicated, don't we? When actually sometimes God's like whispering and you say, hey buddy, you need, you need, a, you need to sleep. You need to take a rest. You see how you just went off on your kids? It's not because you're like an overtly horrible human. You just haven't slept. And isn't it interesting how the enemy will take anything he can and use it against you? Oh, this bro's tired right now. I'm just gonna push him a little bit. Oh, he's really hungry right now. 
And so I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna start whispering in his ear. And so then when boss says, hey, I need you to stay for two, two extra hours to get this project done, he's gonna lose his mind. And then he's gonna lose his job. <laughs> See how this spirals? So emotionally, where are you at emotionally? Write, the, write this down, like, like uh, interact with this today. Where are you at emotionally right now? Yeah. Depression, a breakup in a relationship, work issues, school issues, or boredom? Do you know how many dumb things people have done in boredom? Yes. Why'd you do that? I don't know, I was bored. <laughs> Said every 13 year old. <laughs> and every 40 year old. <laughs> Spiritually, where are you at? When, when you've been neglecting quiet times with God, when we're not taking time to connect during, during worship, connect with the body, right? Our spiritual shields are no longer up, making us susceptible to sin. Oh man, I don't feel like, I don't feel anything in worship anymore. Who cares? Stick your hands up. Right? And, and it's in this, like, you're telling the enemy, he's like, oh, he doesn't feel it during worship. They didn't play his song today. They didn't play her song today. Stick your hands up anyways right. and tell the devil that I am choosing to worship today. Whether I feel it, get up, oh my soul, I am choosing to worship today. It may not make sense when you opened up Psalm 139, but it doesn't matter because God's communicating to you. And he may not answer your prayers when you want him to answer your prayers, but the idea is that you are still praying. You are engaging with it and you are giving no room for the enemy to cause something to happen. Someone shout, where am I? So where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Where are you physically? And when I mean like, where's your location? Where are you at right now? Well, you're in church right now, but where are you at after church? Were you at a party where you knew there's going to be certain things going on? And that's not just for our students. That's not just for our college. That's not just for our young professionals. Corporate parties get wild and out. You're facing temptation somewhere. Where are you physically? When you find yourself someplace that you shouldn't be, your first pointer is that you're on your way to sin. I've talked to young couples before. I told you we're going, we're going in for it today. Is that all right with everybody? We've talked to young couples, not married yet. And they're like, man, I, we broke our boundaries. I was like, okay, tell me about that. Where were you? And they're like, what time was it? What was 11.30? Okay, where were you? Uh, in the car. Where? Uh, parked at the Outlook on Wasatch. Okay. And it was raining outside. John Mayer was on the radio. What'd you think was gonna happen? Man, I'm telling you, some of the stuff we do, and we're like, how'd that happen? I've got about four ideas. <laughs> so when you're someplace that you shouldn't be. Come on, here's the second thing. This is stages to sin. When your curiosity turns to desire. When your curiosity turns to desire. Listen to 2 Samuel 11, 2-3. So one evening, David got up from his bed. Remember, he's not where he's supposed to be. He's at home still. Everybody else is fighting. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a, a woman bathing. Let's just stop there for a second. People have interpreted this piece of scripture in a weird way, and I want to re-clarify for us. Bathsheba was not doing anything wrong in this moment. That's right. She was bathing. 
David was in the wrong place. And we know that she didn't do anything wrong because this is where bathtubs normally were. So a lot of people pin culpability on Bathsheba, but that's actually not the truth. Bathsheba did not know that David was home. She was bathing. That's it. She didn't think to herself, man, King David might be home. I should probably pick my bath up and put it someplace else. (laughs) So then scripture tells us the woman was very beautiful. And then here it comes because of David's curiosity and David sent someone to find out about her. Then the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now you would think that David would cease and desist after hearing her title. He said, oh, wake up, David. Go get on your horse, get out to battle. Oh no. We'll find out more in the story in just a second, but we need to understand that sin is encroaching upon us when your curiosity turns to desire. Have you ever heard the saying, curiosity killed the cat? I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think curiosity is what brought him to the edge of the road. The Bible says that David sent someone to find out about her. He wanted to know more info. He was willing to walk up as close to the fire as possible. It's like when someone asks, how far is too far? You're asking the wrong question. The question should always be, how do I glorify God? Instead of stopping, thinking through, saying to himself, hey, I I shouldn't be here and and I should go back inside, he decides to find out more and he walks right up to the edge of the cliff. In Genesis, it says that Adam and Eve saw the fruit and it was what? Pleasing to the eye. They were enticed by it. When curiosity turns to desire and want, it means that you're about to find yourself in sin. What causes you to be curious? What causes you to walk up to to the line? Does, does gossip cause you, oh, I'm curious about this. Does weird situations and circumstances, are you just curious about them? Things on the internet, you're just curious about them? Oh, it's getting real tight in here right now. Come on. all the things that are inside of us. Remember what we read in James? It's the desires inside of you that lure you towards things. We gotta deal with this. All right, here's the third stage of sin is when desire turns to action. Then David sent messengers, 2 Samuel eleven four. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Notice the wording here. He slept with her. And this is really important. David sent messengers to get her. Uh, This is a very important piece of scripture. This is gonna be a really quick money trail for just a second. So just follow me. Hold the tab of what we're talking about for just a second. Bathsheba is not culpable in this issue. A lot of people have said in this scripture, well, it takes two to tango. No, David operated out of power. We see that. This whole thing is David following this line of sin. He allowed desires to conceive. And when she had purified herself of her uncleanness, she went back home. And we know that David is dealing with something because he's going to press it even further. He's going to set this whole plot up so he can kill her husband, make sure that nobody can find out about this, hide everything that's taken place from this transgression. You ever been there before? Have you ever made a decision you knew it was wrong and then you go full sin to making sure that you can cover up the wrongness that you did? 
and it turns into this wild cycle. Can I just say to somebody in here who might, you may feel like you're right there, pull the ripcord now. You can get out of it. There's this, um, there's this terminology, it's called the sunk cost fallacy. The sunk cost fallacy is this. Sunk cost fallacy is the idea that I've invested so much into this thing that I can't pull out. I've got to see it through to the end. This is actually how gambling gets people. It's the sunk cost fallacy. When you, when you engage in things and you're like, man, I've, pour, I've poured myself into this relationship, but the relationship is destroying you and it's destroying your faith and it's destroying who it is that God's called you to be. You can pull back on that. I'm talking to the dating people right now, okay? The marriage stuff is a whole, a whole lot more complex, so don't jump somewhere that, that we're not going. But sometimes this happens. We talk to a lot of people and it's like, man, I, I, I believed that he was gonna change. <laughs> I believe she was going to change. It's a sunk cost fallacy. I've already given so much of myself to this thing that how could I possibly pull back? Wow. Can I just tell you that God is able to repair all of those things? Yeah. I know this is a part that, that gets some of us right now. You're thinking about situations where, man, I've invested so much into this thing. I've invested so much into this sin. I've invested so much into this habit. Can I tell you that that illicit drug is not more powerful than the goodness of God? Can I let you know that that porn side is not more powerful than the grace of God? Can I let you know that that illicit relationship is not more powerful than God? Can I let you know that he's able to repair your finances? He's able to repair your heart. He's able to repair your soul. Am I talking to anybody in church today? Don't get caught by the sunk cost fallacy because a different cost was paid by Jesus on the cross. And he said, you can grab a hold of this gift anytime you want. All right, so those are the three stages to sin. Now let's... Let's look at how we fight and overcome sin. Is there anybody in the house today that wants to fight and overcome sin? Come on, fight and overcome sin. That's what we're gonna do. Here's the first one, need your help. Every shot, number one. These are fast and easy. You gotta know where you're at. Know where you're at. Know where you're at emotionally, spiritually, physically. I have to know where I am at at all times, where I'm going. I need to know when I'm tired. I got to be on a retreat this last week with some of my great friends locally and all around the country at a pastor's retreat. And I sh- we left on Monday to get out there after what has been very two heavy weeks of content, right? And I got to this place and my eyes were crossed. <laughs> Why? I was tired. And to be very honest with you, the reason that I'm kind of speaking today, the way that I'm doing this and the way that I'm teaching this and trying to use a lot of humor is because right now I wanna make sure that I don't give out of a bad place. Right. And so I had to adjust and go like, this message today is coming from a different part of me where I've been refreshed. And so guess what? I just want to bring joy to the house today. But at the same time, I want us to kick the devil in the throat. So I'm like your pastor coach today. But I couldn't have done that if I got tired and if I allowed myself to be tired. So I got some healing this week. I got some rest this week. I had friends this week that imparted into me. Best friends who are with me and hanging out and, 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 and giving me life so I can be filled. Because if I keep on running... And I don't pay attention to where I'm at. Come on. You, you will go down in a blaze of glory. So you got to know where you are at. 
emotionally, spiritually, physically. Number two, every shot, number two. All right, you gotta know your temptations and your limitations. When you know what tempts you, it's a whole lot easier for you to avoid sin. The problem is that most of us never get militant about what tempts us. We have a saying in our house, if it's in our house, we will eat it. Come on. So our staff for mine and Erica's birthday gave us big baskets today. And they had all kinds of things that shouldn't be in my house. Listen, if Sour Patch Kids are in my house, I'm gonna eat them, right? And I do it. Sometimes I'll just open up the cupboard. How many times have you done this with anything? But I'll open it and you stare at it. Yeah, have, you, have you ever squared off with this stuff before? Right? And you're just like, you don't got me today. Not today, Satan. Not today, Sour Patch Kid. But four days later, because I'm hungry and tired and I didn't plan right, you open that cupboard and you're like, today, Satan. <laughs> like, I, I want us to get how this works. This works in every area of our life. Right? You're like, no, I don't, need to, I don't need to put things on my computer to block me. So you're going to stare that thing down for a while? I don't need to let my wife know the code to my phone. <laughs> my goodness. We don't like it when he's cheeky. You got to deal militantly with the things that, that tempt you. But you also got to deal with your limitations. You have to know sometimes I have limitations in my life. And because I have limitations, I create boundaries. And those boundaries enable me to stay away from sin. Stay away from the thing. So I, I got to have a holistic understanding of who I am. And I think one of the reasons that many of us fall into the traps that the enemy lays for us is because we haven't taken time to get a holistic view of ourselves in light of who God has said we are. Number three, Bishon, number three. Uh, here's a fun one. Don't let your feelings make a decision for you. Don't let your feelings make a decision for you. This is so much fun today. Like, <laughs> the Bible says to set your mind on things above, to meditate on those things. I believe that when you do this, you put yourself in a position to not let circumstance and the momentary feelings rule you. To allow God and wisdom to point you in the right direction. Don't let your, just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you need to act on that feeling. We are not animals. We're the Imago Dei created in the image and the likeness of God. Right? That's, that's what animals do. They see it, they eat it. They see it, they, like, you see what I'm saying? We're not animals. If we believe the biblical narrative about ourselves, we have rationale, we have conscience, we have the ability to make wise decisions. God's given us wisdom to be able to look at things so you don't have to live according to that momentary feeling that you have to be, as Paul would say, thrown by every wind of teaching, every wave that comes by. That's why Jesus would say, build your life on the rock. So these are important things that we need to understand about the faith that we have. So don't let your feelings make a decision for you. Number four, this team comes up. Number four, find the place of grace. We've got to find the place of grace. Come on, and his name is Jesus. 
That's the place of grace. Come on, auditorium too. His name is Jesus. Come on online. His name is Jesus. It's the place of grace. Romans chapter six. Go there in your Bibles with me. This is not on the screen. These are added scriptures. Man, side note, ADD moment. I remember when we didn't have big screens to throw scriptures on or iPads to write all the scriptures down in. We used to have to turn to our Bible in church. (laughs) And I love it. You had to wait for everybody to get there. Then we'd say things like, yell got it when you get it. I miss that. Romans chapter six, verse 15 says this. What then, question mark, should we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? He yells, exclamation point, Paul writing, absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them to sla- as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. What Paul is saying right here, he's saying, listen, you spent a lot of time offering your body to the enemy of your soul. Why don't you pivot now and spend some time offering everything you are to the savior of your soul? That's what he's saying. So one preacher said it like this one time. He said, man, it's amazing how many of us want God to heal in one moment what I did in 20 years. That's a wrecking ball of truth. It's like, you're right, I spent 20 years giving everything I am to the enemy, to the world, to people. And we want God to do it like in one nanosecond. Is God capable? Is he sovereign in that way? 100%. But as we read in the Psalm, he leads us behind, like by, beside still waters. He works on us. And so if I spent 20 years giving everything to the world, I'm gonna give the next 20 years to work out my salvation daily with fear and trembling. He wants to do a miracle. And the miracle he does in a moment, it's called salvation. Well, today I decide I'm gonna give every faculty of my being, every thought, every, every idea, every feeling, I'm gonna give it to God. So we read on. It says, for just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. We talked about that at the beginning of the series. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. The outcome is eternal life. And then he says that he crescendos this thought as he writes it down in verse 23. He says, for the wages of sin 
is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what did I learn from falling up the stairs? I learned that sin is still within me. I learned that I've got to recognize that there's still things going on inside of me that I got to constantly lay at the foot of the cross. The wretch that I am, who would save me? But thanks be to God who sweeps in And as I give everything that I am to him, he renews me day by day. So here's my hope. My hope is next time I fall up the stairs, because it's going to happen again, (laughs) what came out of my mouth then doesn't have to come out of my mouth that time. When you see that person again who slighted you, what you thought about them, that's no longer the thought. Come on. Why? Because day in and day out, God is renewing who I am, setting me free as I submit to God, resist the devil, and I watch him flee from me in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shout it. Amen. Come on, would you bow your head, close your eyes with me today. So we're gonna pray for some people today people that need to say yes to Jesus. People in this moment that say, man, I gotta, I gotta give my life to him. But before we do that, many of us in here, if not all of us, could probably think for just a few seconds on the things where it's like, man, yep, there was that situation, there was that thing. It happened this week, it happened yesterday. And just be able to say once again, for those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, to say today, man, you know what? God, I fell short on this one. And it's really simple. You just say it it in your heart, say it in your head right now. God, forgive me, renew a right spirit within me and just submit to him once again. Even just say in this moment right now, if that's you today, you'd say, man, I know know where my thing is. I I know what happened. Just simply say this out loud today. Man, it'd be amazing the freedom we experience right now. Just say, "Jesus, Jesus, I repent. Forgive me of my sin. Renew a right spirit in me as I continue to work out my salvation. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around right now, I wanna pray for those of us today who may have not yet said yes to Jesus. You may be saying to yourself, man, I need this Jesus. I need the grace that's offered to me. I need to conquer sin. I wanna kick the devil in the throat today. If that's you today and you say, man, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to include everybody so we don't leave anybody out. But if that's you today, say this prayer with us today as loud as you possibly can. Both in auditorium one and auditorium two. Would you all just say this, repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me. Change me make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Today, I repent of my sin. I'm surrendering my life to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. 
in Jesus' mighty name.